I put one foot in front of the other and I do trust this path that I am on. I ask the divine for guidance. Lead me by the joy in my heart. Welcome. This is William Evans and you are listening to A Living World Conversation. Our guest today is Katrina Blair from Durango, Colorado. She is the founder of the Turtle Lake Refuge with the mission of celebrating the connection between personal health and wild lands. Welcome, Katrina. Thank you for being. It's always a pleasure when you speak with us. Oh, thank you so much, Will, for the invitation to be on your radio show. Oh, it's, we've done it a few times now, haven't we? We have, yes. Kindly tell us why you named the home of your organization the Turtle Lake Refuge. Well, I live out near a lake that has a lot of western painted turtles that live in the lake. And one day after um, I was biking home and I noticed a big for sale sign on 60 acres of wetlands and I called the owners and there was a Meadow Lake Estates planned that sounded like a bad idea. <laughs> a subdivision. A subdivision. And so there was some effort. My friends and I, we started serving these wild food lunches off of a bicycle for a year, hoping to raise the money to buy the land. But at $5 a plate, that didn't happen. We didn't raise $500,000, but we raised enough awareness that a neighbor bought it and placed it into a conservation easement. So it did get protected. And then we realized our mission was more than protecting one piece of land, wild land. We wanted to keep going with protecting wild lands everywhere in the world. But that's where our name came from. Well, we have western painted turtles in a lake in uh, a park here in Carbondale called the Nature Park. Okay. And I visited Turtle Lake, and your place is alive and heartful and there seemed to be a lovely melody resonating from the land and the people there. I, I remember I arrived and you weren't home and the people across the road welcomed me into their evening feast and it was beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, it's a really beautiful community of people that are aligned with what the mission is on this land. It's a four-acre farm and when people come to live here, they actually sign an agreement that they agree with these eight turtle concepts. And the basically is that we're stewards of this land and we're students to the wisdom of nature. And we are a community that's wanting to grow our own food and live sustainably. And there's different, different aspects to it. But it really attracts beautiful people. Can you... Tell us more about the feeling of resonance I experienced when I came to visit. Yeah, the main intention actually is to create this feeling of belonging, belonging to this land, this place, to all the elements, to each other, and to our greater community, and that our efforts are going towards increasing the quality of life and the health of these greater circles. But the belonging and connection is the primary purpose of coming together. And that music resonating from the aliveness of the land, you're telling me it connects with my personal health. Absolutely. 
And I think that's something that we probably all have experienced, that when we do go out into nature and, and get immersed, how much vitality and that, whether it's just calming our nervous system or realigning, balancing our, our hormones um, or just providing the source of energy, that creates health. It's one of the factors of health is being connected to wildland. And what effect do herbicides have on that music? That's a huge distraction and silencing, actually, of the subtle voices of the music, of the different tones. It's kind of a deadening and almost, and and truly like a harmful vibration, a harmful tone that creates a very stressful static sound. Sounds like a discordant uh, vibration. Yeah. <laughs> very discordant. Can you tell us about the uh, systemic herbicides milestone and open site? Yeah, so both of those herbicide products, the main ingredient is an herbicide called aminopyrrolid, and that herbicide is a systemic herbicide, which means it makes it long-lasting. It ends up residing in the soil way longer than typical herbicides, if you could say typical, I guess, but other. Um, And so that one of the real problems of that herbicide in particular, the herbicides that are in both of those products, is that if any animals eat anything that's been sprayed, then the toxicity goes into their system, and then when they poop out, the manure of those animals is also toxic and remains in a toxic state for years. And so actually in the UK back in 2008, the aminopyrrolids were banned because of that reason. It was just causing havoc to gardeners. Wow. Well, here in Carbondale, we have a local concern about thistles. There are some in our, our town nature park. Right. Yes, thistles do grow on the planet. <laughs> well, do you have thistles at Turtle Lake Refuge? We do. Yes, we do. Canada thistle and musk thistles in particular. And how do you relate to the thistles? Well, the thistles are a really important plant in any ecosystem, and their presence acts as a guardian. You know, the prickles keep... Uh, more disturbance away. And so what they're doing, actually, they, they're pioneer species, so they grow where there is disturbance, but their presence actually reverses the disturbance. Their presence actually stabilizes and fertilizes the land so that over time the next accession species can take hold and start to grow in the diversity. And so they're they're essential on that level, but they're also really essential to all the pollinators, the honeybees, the, actually the hummingbirds, the butterflies, bumblebees, all these wild pollinators absolutely love the thistle flowers. It's one of the highest nectar sources. And then what we do, because we have a wild foods cafe, we harvest our thistles and use the roots for a chai thistle root tea and we use the greens for green juice, and we dry the greens for additional teas, and we use the stalks. We actually sell the fresh thistle stock as a delicacy at our farmer's market. 
and even the flowers we dry and use the seeds also for making milk, kind of a seed milk. So we use all parts of the thistle. The entire plant is incredibly edible, really rich in minerals, beneficial for the body, but it's also very medicinal and helps regenerate our liver. Wow, that would be good. Yes. So so there's a huge difference in your perspective of Canada thistle and what I guess I'd call the manufactured perspective we hear in advertising content intended to sell us a chemical product. That's right. There's a real mainstream, I guess, thought out there that they're bad. And there's a lot of names that get <clears throat> tied in with thistles, such as invasive or noxious, or, you know, they're intruders, they, they're non-native, all these different names. But what's interesting, if we think about the entirety of our planet Earth, which is our home, the plants move around, not as fast, but just as much as other humans or animal beings. And they move around by their seeds being moved. And so thistles grow on every single plant, uh, continent on the planet except for Antarctica. And so these plants, they belong on Earth. You know, there's, there's no place they don't belong. It's just that they have a real niche of disturbed soils because they're a pioneer species. So wherever there's disturbance, and of course humans are the best disturbers, whether we're grazing or building or cutting down trees or, you know, constructing, we're disturbing. And so these pioneer species, nature places them exactly where they need to be to help remediate that. And so for a little time, humans have this feeling of, oh, no, they didn't used to be here, and they're going to take over, and we get scared on a general collective. And sometimes there's that feeling that makes people feel like they're boxed into a corner. And the only option is that we eradicate them with these terrible toxic herbicides. But unfortunately, by doing that practice, we're disturbing the soil all that much more. And so nature's only response is to bring the weeds in again. So the thistles are going to have to come back every year to help clean up more disturbance. So then that makes the humans have to spray again and again and again until it's just a yearly practice. That, but that sounds like a negative loop. Yeah, because it, it is a negative loop because it really uh, puts toxins in our water and in our soil. So the microorganisms in the soil, which are also the army of good that help clean up and remediate and bring fertility and stability back, they just get leveled by the herbicides. So they're not active anymore. And so we have lost a huge force of life force that helps you know, remediate soil, in addition, of course, to the plants and then the insects getting exposed. So it is. It's a, it's a real backwards negative loop. So your understanding of thistle makes all the difference because you see it as the first step in healing disturbed soil, and you direct your energy into celebrating and healing rather than resisting and fighting with a plant that may come in to hold disturbed soil and heal, even soil that's been damaged by spraying. That's right. We're working with the forces of nature because they're so much more powerful than us. So if we resist them and try to block them, we're going to be spending so much extra energy in the wrong direction. 
But if we work with that force and then realize, wow, there's a huge resource here rather than a problem, we can utilize these wild plants for the food and medicine or just leave them for the pollinators and for the soil. And then over time, we can witness the diversity that comes in. Sometimes berry bushes come in and these different perennials will start to take hold. And there are other ways that we can assist that process going a little faster. So your heart's really in this. It's a portal of inner wisdom which gives you the strength to be in right relationship with life. I love that. Yes, well said. <laughs> well, you're, you're not dealing with confusing issues with your mind alone, which is kind of the way I, certainly I was educated. That's right. When we, when we sort of drop, well, when we can drop into a deeper wisdom of connection and realize how essential every life force is, where it's living, where it's growing, where we're not resisting that and thinking that something doesn't belong, but we open to a deeper level of tolerance for all beings, all species, and then we start to see the resonance of how important they are right here and how we can actually amplify the goodness around us, the quality of life for all. And what you focus on becomes your reality. It becomes your story. And, right. And it's a living world story. That's right. That's exactly right. This is a living world story. And that's been your journey in Durango and the Southwest and a considerable part of the world. It has been. Yeah, there's been quite a journey here in Durango with, with herbicides as well. And in fact, it was Carbondale that inspired us in Durango to create our Dandelion Festival. And it's been a real strong movement of shifting away from any sprayed parks towards organic parks in Durango. And we're still on the journey, but we're up, you know, we have over a third of our parks are now managed organically. And not just in, in Durango, but in Mancos, Ophir, Saw Pit, and Telluride. That's right, and quite a lot of other homeowners associations, even around Ridgeway, and uh, quite a bit around Cromo, and, you know, there's been quite um, a strong movement of other communities wanting to real to be caretakers of the earth without the use of, of herbicides. Well, we thought we all were doing okay managing organically, and uh, it was a bit of a shock to learn that there was a almost a sense of urgency of spraying this year. And uh, we're grateful for your your words and your example because uh, we'd, we'd like to receive more gifts from you in that direction. Well, that would be wonderful. I would love to help in any way I can. This is KDNK, and you're listening to A Living World Conversation with Katrina Blair from Durango, and we're talking about thistle and thistle's purpose and some of the uh, the options that we have available to live and allow thistle to do its job. And then, as I understand it, if, uh, if we help it, it will step back out of its dominant role and other plants will take over. That's exactly right. That is what happens. And that's funny, you reminded me, I did a presentation on the seven benefits of thistle, or the seven uses of thistle, 
and it was some things like using the, the flowers for chewing gum. <clears throat> and even the dried stalks were a great substrate for growing mushrooms and helping additional remediation of the soil. And the greens are fabulous for bringing in alkaline, healing uh, chemistry into the body in addition to their chlorophyll enzymes and minerals in a green juice. And the root, it makes a fabulous thistle chai tea, regenerating the liver. And the seeds make a delicious milk. So there are all these different wonderful uses of thistle. But to help it diminish, you add amendments to the soil. And, and as a result, new plants come in and thistle retreats. That's right. So if we want to balance the ecosystem with less thistle and more diversity of other plants to get established, we can help move that natural process along by we do um, harvest the up above parts, depending on which kind of thistle, whether it's a biannual or an annual or a perennial, we treat them a little differently with their roots, but we... We harvest in moderation what we can, which also brings them back down into a more of a balance. Then we apply native seeds, whichever seeds a, a community prefers. We add the seeds mixed in with a mulch and a compost, kind of a third-part mixture. And then we apply a soil amendments to that area, and that would include some compost teas, some fungal soups. Sometimes we'll use some biochar. There's like a mixture that adds... Uh, nutrient fertility and stability into the soil to allow these next plants that need more fertile and stable grounds to get established. And then we also create a, a weed remedy. It's kind of an ash weed remedy. <clears throat> and that also communicates that the thistle's job, we appreciate your great remediation work and you're no longer needed here as much to do this because we're helping the land move along in this direction a little quicker. And you're taking a, a new step this year in Durango. Up until now, the town, as I understand it, has been spraying herbicides in the 13-mile-long Animus River Trail Park beside the water and along the bike path. That's right. And this will be the first year that the city is asking our project. We have a project under our nonprofit Turtle Lake Refuge. We have a project called Be Happy Lands. And that's where we get hired by different municipalities around Colorado to do this organic weed mitigation. And so we'll be managing the bike trail, the river, the Animus River Trail this summer as the first time, and that's exciting. But it's these other towns, whether it's the Valley Floor in Telluride or the town of Ophir or Saw Pit or the Dog Park, which is also a nature preserve in Mancus, they've hired Be Happy Lands to manage the weeds in an organic way. And so it's all about relationship. That's right. And we have to dance with the relationships as they present themselves. We dance with them as they are. That's right. We work with things how they are. And then we can participate. But if we can participate in the frequency of life force, we all win. Well, that's a very attractive option for us because we, we, we need healthy uh, possibilities here. And I sense respect is at the heart of connecting in relationship. That's right. The respect of all life, that there's a wisdom in every species, whether it's plant, animal, microorganism, or other, there's a wisdom. And if we can align with that wisdom and respect its life force, we benefit 
so much than if we were to disregard it or feel like it doesn't belong here. And that's a, that's a sign of disrespect when we, we have those negative emotions towards something. That means we don't understand it yet. So you actually respect thistle. Highly. I highly respect thistle. It's one of my, it's actually one of my greatest allies. Yeah. I know its value. Wow. So my relationship with another being or an element is influenced by my perspective. How, the, how I see the world becomes my story. And many of us have been educated to see certain plants, as you mentioned earlier, as uh, noxious weeds. But in contrast, you see plants as partners of feeding your fire and a source of oxygen necessary for your metabolism and holding soil. That's beautiful. And I actually, we consider them as part of our team of the Be Happy Land crew. They're actually doing the work better than we could do it. But we're helping them, and we can help them do it a little bit faster. But we actually look at them as part of our teammates. Well, you've got a big team because you're in a multitude of partnerships <laughs> from cooperating with plants to pollinators to the flowing water to the sunshine. Oh, that's a great team I want to be on. <laughs> yeah, it's a symphony, and you're singing with it all the time. That's right. And so this issue of Herbicides is, is a big deal. Rachel Carlson wrote about the absence of music in the Dawn Chorus in her book, Silent Spring. Oh, yes. And that's a story no one wants in their town. No, no. We don't. And that's beautiful to remember that, that this is not new. We're not backed into this corner for the first time as a human community. This has happened before, and that we don't have to take that same, bath, that same pathway and learn the hard way. Oh, we're actually we're killing the very things we find so precious, whether it's the songbirds or the butterflies or the bees or the soil earthworms. We don't need to find that out after the fact. We've already gone down that road and learned, no, that isn't the way to go. So virtually all issues and relationships require the long-term intelligence of good-heartedness. Yes. And when, when we realize what's healthy in all directions, from turtles to children, uh, we really aspire to continuing the living world story we've been given. That's right. And to stay as beginner minds and as students, we're constantly learning. We don't know what's best, and that's okay. But we're open to the greatest teachers of our life force beings around us. And you've been invited to Carbondale Dandelion Day this year. That's right. I'm coming up on May 13th. Well, tell, tell me what you know, because I haven't heard anything here yet. I think it's early news. Um, what, what are you going to do for them? Well, there's an educational tent where there'll be a few speakers speaking from 30 to 45 minutes throughout the day, and I'll be one of those speakers. Oh, beautiful. And I'll... I've also applied to have a booth there, Turtle Lake Refuge, if I haven't heard back, but we might be able to have a booth at the Dandelion Days also. All right. And so we'll be serving thistle root chai tea oh. <laughs> if we're allowed to come. <laughs> are you Are you going to bring your dad's exercycle? Yes, we'll bring the bicycle. We'll bring the bicycle blender and make fresh juice. Well, I certainly remember the first time I had that at the 
the mushroom festival in Eagle, <laughs> and it was wonderful. Yes, it's as fresh as it gets. <laughs> what else is happening that you want to share with us? Well, there's been this amazing journey of remediating the land that I've been living adjacent to. <clears throat> they actually ran the chemical lawn care company of Durango, and they stored 10 different herbicides in a huge 30 by 40 chemical shed, hundreds of thousands of gallons of herbicides that they would spray across the, the land in Durango and the county, on the county roads and all the parks. And I lived next to this, like 10 feet from my permacortal gardens for 20 years. Wow. And in the last four years, four years ago, they sold their property, and we were able to acquire it. <clears throat> so our two-acre farm grew into a four-acre farm, and they sold it to us as is, which meant it was very toxic. And we did soil samples, and we tested the glyphosate and the amino pyrolid and uh, dicamba and 2,4-D. All these different herbicides were highly present in the soil. So we started doing a really strong remediation journey of using mushrooms, a lot of mycelium, a lot of compost teas, effective microorganisms, and we just saturated that land with all of these, basically this army of life force that have the ability, they create an enzyme that can break down those petrochemicals at a faster rate. So what we did is we just infused the soil with as much life force as possible in these microorganisms, and we started testing the soil every six months. And we now, it's, it's uh, the last time we tested, the glyphosate was down to 0.0001%. Wow. So after we got that test, we just started a, a beautiful organic market garden, and, and now it's been a, this will be our third season, actually. Two, we've had two seasons of organic growing. And so we've also converted the, the stinky shed into a beautiful community kitchen space and a meeting space. And so what's fun is that even when we've been highly exposed or saturated with the toxic path, because it was just cracked, barren soil, we can bring it back to life when we align with the life force. Wow. What a lovely story of healing. Thank yes. you, Katrina. You're welcome, Will. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you at Dandelion's Day. You've been listening to a Living World Conversation with Katrina Blair. This is KDNK. Thank you for listening. Thank you, water. I love you, water. I'm so grateful for you, water. Thank you, water. I love you, water. I'm so grateful for you, water. You are the rain falling down. You are the river flowing over ground. You are the ocean. Sweet big body water mama of ocean. May 